0: Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Are these girls gonna be in the league? Hello, gorgeous. Female fight club. All men must die, but we are not men. Grab
1: it, Christian! What do you think happened to Karen? Lauren. Girl, her name is Kimberly.
0: everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Citizen D. I don't know what number we're on. I'm just going to assume it's a high one. 32? 32. 32. Feels like we've been in the 30s forever, but, you know, ain't that the truth. <laughs> uh, as always, I am your host, Kristen Lopez, alongside Karen Peterson. Hi. And Lauren Humphreys brooks Hello. Kimberly Pierce has a job. So she's not Lame. here. I
1: know, Lazy. I know. Lazy. Lazy. <laughs> so us.
0: she's not here today, but she's here in spirit. Uh, we are going to be talking about some news. I know we don't have everything that happened in the last two weeks. We also have some questions, trailers, and reviews. We're also going to be discussing Avengers Infinity War for probably the 80th time. I feel like I've done nothing but discuss this film for the last, like, month and a half.
1: Um, Yeah, I feel like that conversation's gonna be kinda short, because I am at the point where I don't have a lot to say about it. Exactly. I...
2: Well, I do. So.
0: (laughs) That is all well and good. So, let's... I just saw it. Let's jump off with, uh, some garbage men. Um, a lot of them here today. This
1: Week in Garbage People. This
0: Week in Garbage People. So, who do we want to start with? Um, let's start with... The, well, let's start with... Oh, go on. I
1: was just going to say, let's start with the fantastic news that Bill Cosby and Roman Polanski were expelled from the Academy.
0: Yes! Uh, yes. This, this came out the last couple of days that um, Bill Cosby and Roman Polanski have been um, expelled from the Motion Picture Academy of Arts and Sciences. Roman Polanski is being allowed to keep his Oscar that he won for The Pianist, but... That's it, he's not a voting member anymore, and... Well, yeah,
1: because, I mean, being... You don't have to be a member of the Academy in order to win. In fact, for a lot of people, that's how they become a member of the Academy, is because they won. So, I mean, it, it makes sense that they would let him keep the Oscar. That has nothing to do with why he was expelled, so... I just wanted to right. put that out there. Right,
0: right. Yeah. Um, you know, there's two... I'm of two minds of this. Okay, first off, let's get the elephant out of the room. Cosby was a member of the Academy... Uh, yes. Yeah, but 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 why is what I, I'm wondering. I don't. kind of weird. I don't remember him directing dad. a movie that was like good, or starring in a movie that was any good. Um, I mean, I know the requirements are that all you need is like what two Academy members to vouch for you, and you could get well, in. Well, they
1: have to be nominated, and there's there's a little bit of a process. The Board of Governors has to decide, but I mean, there are a lot of people in the Academy that are like. Why are, why are they there, you know? I mean, yeah. there's 6,000, 7,000 people in there, so.
0: Cosby just seems like the weirdest one, because I, I I don't think any of us would have assumed he was in the Academy beforehand. Um, Polanski, though, um, he came out with uh, his attorney and said that they were going to fight this, that they wanted uh, due process before he was expelled. <laughs> Oh, he cares about due process now. Uh, apparently, I don't. I don't. To quote the Princess Bride, I don't think it means what you think it means. Um,
2: I I just don't know why he keeps on putting himself in the spotlight on this. He just should have been like, okay, fine, whatever, and just walked away from it. Like, just this is a bad idea.
1: Well, I think the reason is because I mean that's a great point, but I think the reason is that f- up until now it has always worked for him. He's had allies who yeah. every time he he kind of pops his head up they're like yeah yeah no let's bring him back and i think that he was counting on that still happening and i don't think that he was expecting that finally the tide has turned against him
2: yeah and i mean and several people pointed this out that france's reaction to, to me too has been very different from yes. uh, the american reaction so i think there's probably also a lot of stuff that's going on within the culture that he's living in that He's not experiencing this as particularly a big deal, whereas it's it's much more intense overseas um, than he probably even realizes because he hasn't been back in America since 1970, whatever seven. So yeah, it, it just seems like you know, dude. Like it's it's over. The man's like 80 years old, something like that. Just let it let it be. Just don't. You know, they're they're never going to extradite him. No, they're never and- going to bring. Like it's not gonna happen,
1: so just like let it die. Let it all let it all end. Yeah, like just you're not gonna come back to the US. Just stay where you are and just shut up and leave us alone and let us just all forget that you exist. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's hilarious that I mean he won the Oscar. He's he's good. He's gotten far more than he should have at this point. And he just needs to go away. Um so yeah, we don't know if they'll they'll take it back. Hopefully they won't. And everybody seems to be asking, oh, who's the next to get expelled from the Academy? And I, I don't think we'll see any more. I think they're going... Cosby and Polanski had convictions. Harvey Weinstein was just so prolific in terms of his, his crimes that I think they had to get rid of him. People like Spacey and others that have been accused and then we've just kind of moved on, I don't think we'll be kicked out.
1: Yeah, I think that we're only going to see people getting expelled if they are convicted of crimes, or if it's like a, yeah, like a Weinstein situation where he is so, like, what he did was so awful, and so, like, there's no way to deny that he did what he did. Like, there's no way that that man was innocent, you know? Like, it's, nobody believes that he was innocent. Well, probably one or two people that are still foolish, but... You know i i think that there are a lot of people that are still question marks and they definitely deserve to be discussed but it's it's a hard it's a hard <laughs> situation and it's a hard conversation to have
2: well and and woody allen is not a member of the academy is he exactly so sucks, tired sucks. of that
1: every time, like yeah. Several people have been like, "Well, why is Woody Allen still there?" I'm just like he's, but he's not. They act he's like not a member. Yeah, they act like it's hypocrisy, and it's like no, <laughs> he has made it very clear he doesn't want to be in the academy. <laughs> they they can't expel him because he's literally not a member. <laughs> like, like do they want to induct him just so that they can expel him? Is I, that yeah. what people want? I
0: don't know. So moving on to, I don't watch a lot of television news but supposedly tom brokaw got accused of stuff does somebody have this because i don't watch television news so it started
1: with um oh my gosh what's her name she was a she was a reporter back in the 90s i think um or even actually maybe before that oh my gosh i'm bringing up one of the articles But there, anyway, the point is that a whole bunch of, well, not a whole bunch, but several other women have all come up and said, yeah, he harassed me too. But then there was this letter um, that was signed by 65 women in the media saying that he has integrity, he's never treated us with anything but respect. It comes back to, well, it never happened to me, so it never happened. And, And it's just like... I'm glad he didn't harass all these 65 other women, but what about well, the 3 that are saying he did?
2: And and it comes off and there's there's a very good article that I'm just looking at right now in the New Republic called The Hollow Rage of Tom Brokaw by Eve Fairbanks. And she sort of details that this is also this also seems to be protection. NBC is trying to protect itself and Brokaw has been one of their major anchors. He's been and he's been a major face of NBC, you know, he's this this gentlemanly um, uh, exhibit of like old journalism, basically, and you know, to now then have all of these accusations about him. I think we're up to three or four women have have accused him of like inappropriate yeah. conduct and sexual harassment, and uh, and so NBC is kind of doubling down and trying to protect themselves. So you've got people like Rachel Maddow who are part of the NBC family. Um, coming out and is also a a major feature and feminist um, coming out and saying oh no Tom's fine and it's like no guys you got you have to be able to clean your own houses as well as everybody else's.
1: Well, I would I think that we need to remind everyone too that um, this the Me Too stories against Harvey Weinstein started with an investigation by someone at NBC. NBC was like, mm, no, we're not going to go forward with this.
0: And, and, and then Matt you find Lauer. out about...
1: Yeah, and then you find out about Matt Lauer. And yeah. I'm sure they've got Oh, I'm sure it goes for decades all the way up to, like, the top studio heads for years. Or company heads, whatever. It's... I don't know. It's, yeah,
2: it's and crazy. Then, and, Bro- and Brokaw comes out as, like, basically saying that, oh, this is... Basically turning accusations on to his, his original accuser, saying things like, oh, she, um, she married a wealthy man and she's portraying herself as Me Too's den mother and a keeper of the flame, like all of this shit. And this is something. This is an email that he wrote at like 4 a.m.
1: Uh, defending himself. Here's something interesting. If you, you know when Google does the auto-suggestions? So if you type in Tom Brokaw in a space, like you haven't typed in anything else, it it gives you these choices Tom Brokaw, wife, age cancer, books, young net worth, biography, 2017 greatest generation and twitter nothing about allegations (laughs) I just find that interesting, it's like come on google and then we also had
0: info on Charlie Rose uh, which I, I must have missed
1: yeah there was more yesterday I think, I don't know I've stopped paying attention to him
2: well the Char- the charlie rose thing um there's been like he may be co- he's trying to come back he is trying to get <laughs> yeah, they're they're great. trying to do a cbs cbs i think it's cbs is doing uh or is proposing to do a television show with charlie rose in which he interviews other men who have been wrapped up and like ruined quote ruined by the me too movement so we've got this guy and again numerous women i think there are at least three i think that there have been more since the initial accusations came out Mm -hmm. uh yeah the uh the washington post published another investigative report that found 27 additional women who have accused Rose of harassment so in the midst of all of this he's trying to make a comeback and this is the same you know matt lauer is doing a similar thing where they're like doing this forgiveness tour almost um where it's like okay now we're you know time has a whole month has passed so now it's time it's time to forgive these men and bring them back into the fold and it's just it's a bad look and you do kind of wonder what networks are thinking what the what these men are thinking that like they obviously have not processed that they've done anything wrong or that there's there's anything that they are not owed the attention and accolades that they feel they deserve
0: yeah, that's, that's some balls right there to think that you can do a television show where you're going to interview other people under the guise of the fact that they've been unfairly maligned. Like, really?
1: Yeah. Oh, by the way, going back briefly to the NBC thing. So there's an article that came out a couple of days ago. Ronan Farrow is saying there's more to say about why NBC rejected the Weinstein story and he's got a lot more that's coming about it oh god
2: yeah <laughs> all of nbc like. is just good they to be like you're all abusers all of you
1: yeah pretty much <laughs> the fact that he says the fact that there was a veil of silence around the harvey weinstein story for decades is not accidental and there were a variety of systems that kept it silent the question of complicity of the media and the role the media played in keeping this quiet for as long as it was quiet are important ones
0: I love Ronan Farrow. <sighs> Further proof. I do, um, And then that fine musical tunesmith, R. Kelly. <laughs> so, if you didn't recall a couple Does years ago... Does the R stand for rapist? I'm not sure. <laughs> he doesn't... That's Mr. Rapist to you, okay? Oh, I'm sorry. God. Uh-huh. Um, I, I don't know. So, moving on. Uh, R. Kelly, if you don't remember a couple years ago, was accused of of raping a young girl. And nothing really came of that. But we all know it's been out in the ether that, that he's been uh, doing some wrong. And now women are finally like, stop it. We need to get rid of R. Kelly. Just because you like listening to Ignition during the summertime does not mean that we need to support him anymore. And I am all for it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, he he's been accused of running. I mean, there was a Buzzfeed article I think last year. Oh, or that's right, on, that's right. Somewhere around then. That I mean, it, it wasn't just like, it, I mean, just you know, it wasn't isolated incidents. Um, uh, that were unconnected. It's like he has been grooming women to be his girlfriends and to basically be enthralled to him. As like, it's practically a cult, and that's that's the way that the Buzzfeed article sort of categorized it as like this this cult with Kelly at its center and with this massive number of women who, that he has sex with, some of them underage, some of them obviously are being entrapped into it. Uh, and and yeah, so finally, w- in the context of Me Too, in the context of Time's Up, finally a bunch of, bunch of women are going like, um, okay, we need to talk about our Kelly because many of his victims, I think most of his victims are women of color. And particularly young girls of color, and there's been this tendency within the Me Too and the Times Up campaigns of, of not ignoring but sort of sidelining um, accusations by women of color against uh, against particularly men of color. Um, and now th- there we're sort of saying, okay, this this is something that needs to stop. We need to actually take these accusations seriously, and we need to end the the existence of R. Kelly.
1: We need. We need to end his ability to be an abuser. it's true. It's so weird because I remembered stories back in the in the nineties back in the nineteen hundreds about um about him, and I could have i would have sworn before a couple of days ago that he had gone to jail for something i really i it was like a Mandela effect thing. I completely believed that there was a time where he had actually gone to jail for for um rape or child pornography or something i I couldn't remember what but when i found out that he had never nothing like that had ever happened i was just so confused i was like what so yeah it's it's super weird but Uh, i was just gonna say so many of these rape cases it's it's that
2: the women are afraid to come forward or the women are somehow silenced and with the, the r kelly thing it's it's very integrated because of the number, like, the, he's basically got women that act as his pur- procurers, and they right. keep yeah. the younger girls silent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's, there's this whole, so in order to prosecute someone in a rape case or in an abuse case or anything like that, you have to have someone, you have to have people that are willing to come out and actually swear against him, and that's what hasn't happened. Right. And so now it seems to finally be happening. And part of that is because there's been public campaigns um, that are being primarily driven by women of color saying, you know, mute R. Kelly. We have to end this. We have to end his behavior. We know what he's doing and we have to make it safe for these women to come out and talk about it.
1: Yeah. Well, and one of the, you know, I mean, we always run into this. The biggest reason that women don't come forward is because not only are they not believed, but they get completely destroyed in the process you know they get they get turned into you know they get accused of all kinds of things and it you know it turns into this well how were you dressed and what were you saying and had you had you ever had sex before because somehow that means that you deserve it or something I don't know so I'm glad that that women are coming together to support one another so that they know that it's it's a much safer environment now to come forward and to talk about these things
0: now if we could just get rid of Mel Gibson, I I would feel there's some justice in the world. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna yeah. ask. Uh, I was gonna ask Lauren. Did you get blocked by Joe Carnahan? Uh, I haven't actually checked. Um,
2: I could check right now. I I did. Check, I mean, check. yeah. We'll yes. Yeah, in case say anybody wants movie. backstory,
0: Joe Carnahan is a director. He's making a new movie with Mel Gibson, and and. A, gone on a Twitter screen about how if anybody criticized his cast, that he was going to block them. And Lauren, being Lauren, immediately <laughs> jumped on this uh, and brought up the accusations about Mel Gibson, and rightfully so, and we don't know if she's been blocked. I still have not been blocked. Oh! Wow! This, this Look at that, has,
1: a man with no follow-through. This tweet such a has, shock.
2: It has been up since yesterday, since almost, yeah, like, it's been up for almost 24 hours, and, and no, he has not blocked me. Yet. I don't know, maybe I'm just not important enough that, like, you know, he's not paying attention to what other people are saying. But, but be he said anyone.
1: He said he would block anyone who criticized yep. him. So, you yep. know,
0: I think we need so... to do a
1: daily update on that. I know. It, <laughs> we'll it, follow this situation and come to you as, as more.
0: And cast. I hate this, because I do really enjoy Joe Carnahan as a director, and it bums me the fuck out that he's gonna... Go to bat for for Melly Gibson, so that's a bummer. I, again, it's it is the question of why? Why exactly? Like, yeah, why? And, and that's that's what I don't get about Gibson specifically. Like, why is it so important that we keep him? Like, why why is Hollywood so desperate to to keep? I mean, I know Passion of the Christ made a fuck ton of money, but. Like really, really? That's well, that's who you're gonna lay it down for?
2: I mean, H- Hacksaw Ridge did get nominated for some Oscars, so it's yep. you know it, it, that that is definitely there. And and I mean, I gotta admit, a lot of Mel Gibson's films are very well made. That you know he's a good director, but he's a he is all of the bad things basically. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So moving on, uh, this is a nice transition. Um, Terry Gilliam. Who we've discussed in depth uh, As possibly the man you don't want to get into an elevator with um, Chronically unable to get movies uh, Out into theaters Well it looks like what we all said Again and I will preface this because somebody jumped on me about this this has nothing to do with his asinine comments, but it is divine justice in my eyes. Okay, so I'm just going to assume... It's called karma, everybody. Yeah, I'm just going to assume they're related. So, uh, Terry Gilliam's latest, his passion project, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, was supposed to is supposed to screen at the Cannes Film Festival. Or is it? Um, supposedly... Uh, Gilliam's production company that he essentially got funding from uh, a company called Al- um it doesn't say of course I picked the wrong article um, there's a, supposedly some sort of lawsuit um, being put out by one of the producers that alleges that Gilliam does not have the rights to put the movie out there uh, supposedly Terry Gilliam gave this guy the, the rights to the film Um, Gilliam says that money was supposed to come from this person, um, but that didn't happen. So Gilliam found new backers who got the movie made. Um, But this other guy says he still owns the rights to the film and he didn't say they could screen it at Cannes. So uh, in May of last year, a French court ruled in favor of the producer, but said that he couldn't stop the film from shooting. And so now they have until May 7th, to come to an agreement on whether the film will screen, and can has said that they will do uh, whatever the winner wants them to. So, this is why when you're making a movie, Gilliam is one of those, like, he makes the worst business decisions, and you're surprised that he's been allowed to direct for this long. I mean, I guess that's part of it, but yeah, so do we think that this movie's gonna see the light of day
2: I still don't believe that it exists like I truly <laughs> they just made a I, trailer this has been go. yeah this has been going on for so long and I mean I remember talking about this when I was in when I was in grad school at NYU 17 which was like,
0: years
2: yeah it was, that, that was years ago and I remember having this conversation with my roommate at the time being like are we ever going to see Terry Gilliam's The Man Who Killed Don, Don Quixote just like no we're not
0: it doesn't exist it does not exist. I think at this point we have a greater chance of seeing the day the clown cried. The, yeah, yeah, and honestly, <laughs> which does exist, which does exist, and people have seen. I would much rather watch Jerry Lewis as a happy. People clown believe th-
1: they've seen that Shazam movie too, Lauren. I don't think just because people say they've seen it, we should count it as existing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would. I would much. I would much rather see Jerry Lewis put little children in an, in a Holocaust oven than watch Terry Gilliam at this point. I mean... Thank you for that. <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying that, like, wow. joyfully. I'm not saying that joyfully, but I think that at least is a movie that, you know, I mean, Jerry Lewis was kind of a dick. Actually, no, he was a dick. Um, But I I would just rather see an example of that work because I know it exists than what Gilliam's got going here. And Gilliam's also an asshole. So here's my thing. If you're an asshole and you have passion projects, maybe not be so that you can get funding and and not have to worry about this. I'm really, just trying to back off of the Jerry Lewis comments I just made.
2: <laughs> I, well, I mean, you know, people talked about this forever. That Gill- one of the reasons why Gilliam has such difficulty getting things made is that he's got these big ideas. Yeah, and you know, give, give him props for that. He he he's made some great films. He made Brazil. He made Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. He made. Um, uh, I love the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. You know, I but like there that are these movie. huge. There are these huge ideas that then you know, people are like, okay, this is gonna cost millions upon millions of dollars to just just to do this one thing that you want to do. And it's like he can't listen to anyone saying to him that this isn't gonna work. You know, he should have abandoned the Man Who Killed Don Quixote a long time ago. But for whatever for his ego, for whatever reason, he just had to make this movie that the universe was telling him not to make. Mm-hmm. You know this. This has been going on for so long. Just, I yeah, I I, doubt, I still doubt that this that we will ever actually see this movie.
0: Well, speaking of things oh, we'll yeah. never see, um, and we're not going to belabor this because I think I think kind of the time on it has passed. But I did want to bring it up because I think it's it's something that that a lot of websites and, and podcasts, including ours, can learn from. So if you guys been following FanCon. Yeah, <laughs> yep. So, FanCon was a was a convention that was organized by a bunch of people, um, possibly spearheaded by Jamie Broadnax of uh, Black Girl Nerds, which is a prominent um, website. And it was all set to happen uh, at the end of April, I think, in Baltimore. And mm-hmm. a week before, they sent an email saying the convention's canceled. Because we don't have enough money to pay everything. Oh, and by the way, the money you guys gave us, that's not refundable. So people were pissed, demonstrably so. And it led to. It, and it's still going on if you, uh, you know, go to certain like writer Slack channels. There's talk of lawsuits and nobody knows um, who is responsible for the convention because nobody supposedly knows who handled the money and nobody knows where the money went. So. You know, it, it, people are calling this the fire festival of, of conventions. I'm calling it Dashcon 2018. If anybody remembers Dashcon, it was um, a similarly fan-created convention. And when people showed up, there was like a ball pit. That, that was yeah. it. That was the entire convention. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know about that.
0: Oh yeah, look it up. Look up Dashcon. It is hilarious. Like the Tumblr pictures are so depressing and it's hilarious. Um, not hilarious for the people that had to go to it, but hilarious just from a concept uh, standpoint. But, you know, you we all have dabbled with writing for for sites of, of significance, but this has kind of opened up a door. Mass exodus from from the website Black Girl Nerds. A lot of people saying that this was just a bubble waiting to burst. And it's been really interesting watching a lot of people who are not personalities, just like average people, just stick their foot further and further in their,
1: in their mouth. Um, oh my gosh, there's so many things to say about this whole situation. I mean, part of the biggest problem, and I keep seeing this coming up in every, every in- industry I've been in, like, I, in, with my family, with everybody, communication, you know, I mean, this whole problem with FanCon—the fact that they didn't let anybody know that there were any issues until seven days before the event—is yeah. a problem. And I know that they didn't want to—they uh, didn't want to scare people off and have people, you know, pull out, but. The stories that are coming out now that they were over four hundred thousand dollars in debt, that they had six hundred and fifty thousand dollars in bills that they couldn't pay—you know—all these stories. It's like, you know, before the week of, of the event well, that that's and, and coming. Supposedly,
0: you know? supposedly, when when Jamie Broadnax put out a statement, she unintentionally admitted that she had heard at the beginning of April that things were in trouble, mm-hmm. and did not proceed to tell anybody. Exactly. And and then they were still asking people to come to Baltimore because they were going to do some stuff. And people were just like, wait, no. I mean, Baltimore's not really a destination city where you can go and at least, like, do other things. I've never been to Baltimore, so I'm just guessing. Um, but you
1: can have a good morning in Baltimore. I saw that's that. true. That's school. very true.
0: You can ride <laughs> on a school bus and sing songs. Um, But you know if this had been in LA like you could at least salvage the trip if you have to go um and then to tell people that you can't get refunds and you're just shit out of luck is just it, the whole thing is just like poor well, But business. they were still having their
1: screening of Infinity War so it was fine. They're fine it's fine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so yeah that that's FanCon look up DashCon. At least they had a they had a fucking ball pit, like at the bare minimum. Oh, they at least offered something to someone. Yeah. Well, I think the
1: bigger, I mean, what happened with FanCon is terrible, and now they've got, I mean, big name people that were involved in this project, as yeah. far as like from vendor standpoint, Disney was having a. a booth there supposedly I
0: mean, Disney gave a lot of undisclosed money to these people yeah you don't want to piss off Disney no like, that I mean Lamar they're blacklisted Lamar Burton. Lamar Burton put out a tweet and was like I'm pissed mm-hmm.
1: yeah exactly and and so it's like that's that's a really bad problem but then they just kept making it worse for themselves and this is the thing that we see in you know I was talking about communication but I mean before and after this is the problem that we see in so many situations where something happens that's you know bad and bad PR and whatever and they just make it worse by the way they keep talking and it's like people just try so hard to cover their asses in these situations that they just keep talking themselves in circles or talking themselves right into a hole and it's like if you just come out and say you know what like if Jamie Broadnax That Friday before said, oh my gosh, you guys, this is so completely fucked up. I don't know how I let this get so out of control. I've known for a couple weeks, but I've been trying to salvage it. That would have helped. And people would still be pissed at her, justifiably so. But at least she wouldn't have looked like she was complicit in it. And I don't know if she was or not. I'd like to think that she wasn't and that this really did just get out of her hands. But at the same time the way that she's been responding all week it makes it seem like she was part of like a conspiracy and, and that's that's like the exact wrong way to handle this you know she needed to just get right out in front of it address it truthfully from the beginning and then hopefully you know it would have been really bad in the short term but it wouldn't cost her her sight and her reputation forever yeah. you know
0: so moving on to some film news. Uh, this came out last week, but we wanted to celebrate it anyway. So uh, Margot Robbie is doing a Suicide Squad esque spin off uh, called Birds of Prey, and she, from what I heard, demanded that they get a woman to direct the film, and they yeah. did. They got uh, director Kathy Yan. And she is going to be uh, directing uh, what is being called an untitled girl gang movie <laughs> um, that sounds awesome how is it DC again getting third this is the third female filmmaker they've gotten uh, with Wonder Woman and um, Ava DuVernay doing New Gods Marvel still hasn't really fixed their problem um, Cathy also the first Asian director ever to direct a superhero movie. I, I kind of want to cry. Like, DC's doing the work. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. It's
1: like, they screw up with their movies, but they're doing a lot of good behind the scenes. I don't understand what's happening.
2: <laughs> DC is very confused. You're just like, but, you, but you're but you not good, but you are good. But right. you're... Di- why? Okay. And, you know, I mean, the, the best DC movie is a movie directed by a
0: woman, so...
1: Exactly. We'll
0: see. So far, this is a predominantly... No, I would even go
1: further to say the only good one is directed by a woman. So... Yes. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yes. And so far, this is a predominantly all-female project. Um, It's being written by Christina Hodson, who uh, we just talked about uh, being hired to write the Batgirl movie. She's writing this. And in case you don't know, Birds of Prey in the DC Universe involves Margot Robbie's uh, Harley Quinn character... Fighting crime alongside Black Canary, uh, Barbara Gordon, who is Batgirl, and Huntress, and we're hoping that this means that the other Harley Quinn associated films, um, which is Harley Quinn versus the Joker and Gotham City Sirens, which the latter is supposed to be directed by David Ayer, just aren't going to happen. God. I just I don't want them to happen. Ugh, he's the worst. <laughs> yeah. So we're excited, yay! Um, so the last bit of news we have involves Movie Pass. Uh, do we all have Movie Pass, or is it just me? Sure do. Yep. So we all use Movie Well, Movie Pass came out a couple, uh, two weeks ago, and said that new people who subscribe to Movie Pass were not going to get the unlimited features that we all have, which you can see a movie a day um, for the price that you pay once a month. So in theory, you can go see 30 movies in a day for, for $9.95. And MoviePass said, nope, new subscribers, you only get four movies a month. And that's it. Um, and a lot of people were saying, well, we, we've all kind of been saying MoviePass is not sustainable from a, a money standpoint. And people were bemoaning that this meant that they were either gonna up the price or start cutting back on the perks. Um, and it also, they also said that you can't see the same movie Twice on Movie MoviePass, um, which I guess uh, rumors were that it was because Avengers Infinity War wanted more money and they wanted you to have well, to pay. The thing
1: is, when I signed up back in September, I was told that was the rule and then it turned out they weren't enforcing it. Like the thing that I signed, I read that on the contract and it said you cannot see the same movie more than once. So this was like they're finally just enforcing But Yeah, I,
0: I might have missed that part when I when I Signed up for it. Um, but regardless, a couple days later, um, they at least backpedaled on the unlimited part and said, nope, just kidding, you can see as many movies, uh, you can see a, thir- a movie a day <laughs> for nine ninety five. dollars So, I-, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I think at least I know from a business standpoint, I anticipate MoviePass in the next couple of years, either upping the price to see 30 movies a month, or... What I think they might have been trying for is a, what Spotify kind of does, like a base price, you get four movies a month, if you want to see Unlimited, you gotta pay more for it. That's what I'm waiting for. Um, it, well,
2: it would, make, it would make sense to try to sell a variety of different plans, because you've got different people that have different desires with movies, and you have, and you have some people that would be willing to pay, you know, okay, I'll pay eight bucks a month and only see four movies. Or right. or something like that. So it it makes sense to have different places. Movie Pass is just the worst at customer service.
0: They are. And
2: they roll out things and then they roll them back and they're confusing and and they like don't have they don't really respond when you have complaints or questions or anything. It's just a badly run company that at the same time has a great idea.
0: I can tell you, looking at my movie pass history, I have not seen a movie with my movie pass in a month. Um and so I haven't had time. Yeah, I mean, so if they if they did cut back to 4 movies a month, yeah, that would probably work for me. I know I'd be like in the moment be like this is bullshit. But looking at looking at how many times I use my movie pass, it would probably be okay. Well, and I got to say, I live in a city
2: where movies cost anywhere from about $16 oh, yeah. to $20 a pop. Same. And yeah, and so so even if you were to cut back, even if you were to cut me back and say you can only see four movies a month, but you're still going to pay 10 bucks for it. And it's like, okay, I, I go to see one movie a month and I've more than paid for my movie pass.
1: Yeah, our um, matinee price here is 14 bucks.
2: Yeah, it's it's insane. I I so I've saved money on it. Like, I don't know. I think that some of the complaints, like the complaints when they they rolled out the whole you can't you can only see a movie once. Um, on movie pass everyone's like you guys you can only see infinity war once it's just like on movie pass on movie pass guys like right. seriously if you want to go see infinity war three times no one can stop you from spending your money that way that is fine but you can only do it once on movie pass and you're still going to save money doing it like the i I just, every single, every couple of months, we seem to get this, this, like, stuff about MoviePass and, like, people complaining. It's just like, guys, right now, we are doing really well off of something that should not work and probably is not going to work forever. So just enjoy yourself for now.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the problem when you start giving a bunch of fanboys stuff for free and then you start to scale it back a little bit they don't like that very much it's the if
0: you give a mouse a cookie syndrome I get it Yep, (laughs) (laughs) it's true Um, so let's move on to some trailer talk Uh, a couple trailers this week Uh, we're going to go in favor of interest Um, and we're going to save the shitty one for last because I think that that will be funny Um, so Ant-Man and the Wasp a movie that I feel like we've gotten nothing but trailers for, but this is actually the first um, main trailer for it. I'm still uninterested.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I actually enjoyed the first one. I don't think that it deserves as much um, flack as people give it. But it is kind of... I don't know. the The timing of this movie is weird because and we'll get to this in a minute but there's like a brief mention of Scotland in Infinity War and they're not in it and then this movie comes out and it seems to take place before Infinity War but I don't know I'm confused.
0: Supposedly yeah this is supposed to bridge the gap so they this is supposed to be before Infinity War but I guess they're gonna mention it I don't know um I'm I'm
1: wondering if at the very end something related to Infinity War will occur.
0: Right. Well, yeah. I mean, they're going to have I'm sure the post credits is going to be anticipating the new movie, which I won't spoil, but you can figure out what it is based on what the next movie is. Um which I'm sure will just be be a thread to connect everything back to Infinity War. God, this timeline is wonkier than fucking X-Men. Um so yeah, I I'm still just mad. I remember. I don't remember much about the first Ant Man other than Corey Stoll was there, and I love him. Um, and Michael Pena was funny.
1: Michael Pena was hilarious. I love him. Yeah, but
0: <laughs> I, I have no no memories, fond or negative, for it. So, regardless, Ant Man and the Wasp comes out July six. This is being considered their debut of a female lead um, superhero because they put her in the title. <laughs> meh. Um. Uh, <laughs> Moving on uh, to what looked like the weirdest goddamn trailer that I'd ever seen, the new Paul Feig movie. So, A Simple Favor is supposedly going to be a take on Gone Girl. It's directed by Paul Feig, who did um, Spy and The Heat. Um, It's based on a novel by Darcy Bell. And based on the trailer, all I can get is that Anna Kendrick is best friends with Blake Lively and Blake Lively disappears. Um It looks vaguely
1: Ingrid Goes West. <laughs>
0: it could be, it could Didn't be. anybody Ingrid else goes...
1: get that? It look it reminded me a lot of Ingrid Goes West, just more more polished and with an actual missing person.
2: Yeah, yeah. It it played a little bit like at least for part of the trailer, I was like, is this like single white female? That's what I got. Story? I got is single that what we're white doing female. Here? uh it was a weird it's a weird trailer like halfway through it i was like what is this movie about
0: right and the- i don't I understand like
1: it's, i i'm guessing because paul feig's trailers are usually fine like his like usually when i see a trailer for one of his movies i'm like yeah i want to see that movie and this one was so weird and so vague that it made me think there must be stuff about it that if they show you too much it's going to be major spoilers
0: that's possible. Um, I do like yeah, that. The, I mean, the poster looks like, um, like Saul Bass, like a Hitchcock poster. If anybody's yeah. ever seen it, so yeah. are we trying to get like a little, like a little vertigo in here in terms of like Anna Kendrick taking over her life? I don't really know, um, but that intrigues me that I don't know.
2: I, I'm willing to go with Paul Feig. I mean, he he's made. There are very few Paul Feig films that I don't like. So... Yep, in Figgie Trust.
1: Hmm. In Figgie Trust.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm, I'm willing, I'm willing to see what he's doing, especially if it does kind of veer into sort of comedic Hitchcock territory. I'd be totally into that.
0: That comes out yeah uh, September 14th. So we can all prep for it then. Um, moving on to the next trailer, which I think everybody was asking where the hell the trailer for this was. Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, This is the the film uh, based on the novel uh, by Kevin Kwan, directed by John Chu, um, that has Constance Wu as a young woman who is going to get married and discovers that her fiancé comes from um, wealth in- um, Wait,
1: they're engaged? I thought they were just dating and were going together to a wedding. I think they're engaged. I'm so. Confused. I
0: don't know. There's a wedding at the end. Yeah, I think end. they're supposed to get married. Yeah, she's oh, okay. she's in a wedding dress at the end. Spoiler alert in the trailer. Um, uh, but she finds out that her her fiance is uh well part of a wealthy Chinese family. Um, I'm excited for this. I don't really get excited for like rom coms, but this looked really cute.
2: Yeah, I I'm right there with you. I love I love Constance Wu. I think that she's so much fun. I love Fresh Off the Boat. And to see her in, like, a big-screen rom-com that just looks amazing. Also, Michelle Yao's in it.
0: Yes, as the the matriarch.
2: Yeah, as, as like, her future mother-in-law, his mother. Like, I am totally down for this movie. It just looks like loads of fun. And I would love to see a good romantic comedy again because there are so few good romantic comedies being made
1: yeah it's been way too long and can we also just take a minute to talk about that beautiful face on henry golding
0: <laughs> yeah i was loving he is the, so
1: cute oh my god i was
0: loving the female gaze of the trailer just like we're just gonna show <laughs> yes. you his abs constantly uh-huh. um i'm not complaining about that
1: by the way henry golding also shows up in a simple favor
0: that's right it's going be is. a good year for him
1: and for us, because we get to enjoy
0: <laughs> And in case you were curious, John Chu um, is directing the Hamilton movie. Supposedly. When they ever get to that. So there's that. Hmm. So I'm excited. Um, and one, I think they were saying first movie since the Joy Luck Club to have predominantly all Asian cast.
1: Yeah. And that was, what, 94? Joy
0: Luck Club oh. was... Ninety-three. Ninety-three.
1: Oh my god. Yeah. So yeah. It's,
0: been, it's been that long. So um, it comes out August 17th. And we gotta end with a movie that I don't really think anybody asked for. I, I know- I can guarantee you nobody, nobody asked did. for it. So we're doing Robin Hood again. And you, you <laughs> might say, hey Kristen, didn't we just do Robin Hood? Back in uh, 2010, so we didn't even do it in 91. But we didn't and... even get a decade between the last one <laughs> and this one. And I would tell you, yes, we did, and it was awful, but I own it, so it has merit. Um, see, we're doing Robin Hood again. Uh,
1: Kristen, I'm sorry, having a place on your shelf does not give a film merit. <laughs> it
0: does so! How dare you! Um, so, this this interpretation of Robin Hood is every interpretation of robin hood it's absolutely no different uh, the only thing i thought was oh it's directed by guy ritchie no it's not it's not it's directed by a thief who stole guy ritchie's style and is attempting to single white female him um, the director is otto bathurst that is a name that somebody was given um who has this is his directorial uh feature directorial debut it's written by two screenwriters who have not written a feature film script before so it looks promising um yeah this looks horrible this looks absolutely atrocious this looks like the shitty remake of ben-hur which also has a place on my shelf um meets like every Oh, then it has merit, uh, Kristen. It's got merit in that it's got someone pretty that I can at least look at it and watch it. Um, it It's, uh, looks like Ben-Hur meets King Arthur, the guy Richie King Arthur, which was not good too. These are movies, we're emulating movies that are already shitty. How is that yeah, happening? A bunch of
1: generic British white boys just saying. Yes.
0: This has, uh, yeah. this has Karen Edgerton. Why? Who?
2: Why? Uh, I, t- I said this on Twitter. I'm going to ask this again on this podcast. Why is Taryn Edgerton a thing?
1: He's like, not. They're trying he, to make him a thing, and he's not a thing.
2: It's not. like I have yet to see him in a movie in which he's actually interesting. His most interesting performance is in Eddie the Eagle, which has so many other problems
1: that oh, it's impossible God, that to movie. like actually enjoy him.
0: Yeah, that movie is so bad. Um, it also has, it also has <laughs> Christian Gray, Jamie Dornan. So, you know. Another oh, boring,
1: yeah. boring
0: white You know, dude. mark of quality. <laughs> and it's got Ben Mendelsohn continuing my to be proof that he is the kiss of death for movies because he only makes shitty ones. Stop making bad movies, Ben Mendelsohn. I know you're the best We part. need to
1: get him a new agent is what yeah. we need to do. What
0: I don't understand about this interpretation of Robin Hood, um, other than all of it, is eight
1: and the clothes. The
0: clothes. the <laughs> clothes are one thing. Uh, it looks like they're just rocking henleys and leather jackets and the crusades. And the accents Robin Hood at the gap. Exactly. And the accents or the lack of accents. So Taryn Edgerton sounds like Eggsy from Kingsman, because that's what he is. Um and then Jamie Foxx just sounds like Jamie Foxx. And Eve Hewson who's our Maid Marion sounds like she's from, like, Florida. Like, she's super American. I
1: will not hear things against the accents, because Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, is fantastic with all the
0: crazy accents. But at least everybody, but at least Prince of Thieves, there are actual other English people that sound like they're trying to convey the English of that time period. Yes, Kevin Costner sticks out like a sore thumb, And Christian Slater looks sounds like a Dickensian street urchin but (laughs) everybody else around them sounds legit so it's okay okay
1: there is that you're
0: okay and I say that about I say that about Ridley Scott's Robin Hood too okay Oscar Isaac has no fucking business doing whatever that noise that's coming out of his mouth is but everybody else sounds okay so it's okay (laughs) by contrast um this just looks atrocious and when and when this movie flops which it will can we stop maybe maybe like wait a decade before doing another Robin Hood I'm still waiting for them to do and I think I mentioned this last time I brought up Robin Hood Ridley Scott had bought the rights to a project about telling Robin Hood from the the story of the Sheriff of Nottingham and showing Robin Hood as this like like radical asshole I would like there are ways to do Robin Hood that are unique whether it's telling it from that, like a different perspective, a different character, a Robin Hood of color would be fucking great. Like that would be something new. I'm sick of seeing Robin Hood told the exact same goddamn way.
2: Yeah, I saw, I saw someone on Twitter uh, suggested doing a um, a gender swap Ooh. with Robin Hood, and ex- and actually have made Marian as Robin Hood pretending to be. So she she's like a Zorro character. She's like a Batgirl, where thing. Yeah, where she's pretty, she's like she's the the damsel, but then she's actually also dressing up like a man and doing badass things and robbing from the rich and giving to the poor. And I thought that was a great idea. It was like, oh, I would totally be behind that. Like, let's let's do that. But
1: this, like,
2: <sighs>
1: it's like every version of Batman having to show you that that thomas and martha wayne were killed outside of the opera they were killed yeah i get all that i don't need to see it again what spoiler they were killed i did not know that (laughs) (laughs) yes and and spider-man was bitten by a radioactive (gasps) spider
0: don't no more i can't i can't take any more of these (laughs) these shocking allegations So, Robin Hood comes out November 21st. For for some reason. reason. You can avoid that day. You could like, literally go see anything else.
1: I'm sure there will be some good movies in the theater that that day, too. Nope,
0: nope. I'm thinking that they just decided, you know, this Robin Hood movie is going to be gangbusters. Every other movie. Movies are canceled. (laughs) Every other (laughs) movie, just run away. We already got the weekend sewed up. Um, so, yeah, moving on uh, to our question. We have a question this week uh, from at Ryan McDermott. He said, uh, because of the recently released Infinity War, who would you cast as a gender-swapped? And he gives us a series of characters. So, Iron Man. Who do we think will play Iron Man gender-swapped? This is tough. Um, so...
1: Ryan, thank you very much for the question. We always love questions, but here's, <laughs> here's my thing on these gender swap issues. It come, we talked about this a couple weeks ago with Indiana Joan or whatever. Um, I don't like the idea necessarily of gender swapping for the sake of gender swapping. Once again, I will reiterate, the reason Ghostbusters worked is because they didn't take those original characters and just turn them into women and retell the story. They used the idea of the original film and turn it into something new. And Marvel has, I mean, if you Google female Marvel characters, there is a list a mile long of potential people that they could explore that we've never even heard of in the films that appear at different points in the comics. And so it's like, yeah, I know it's fun to talk about, oh, who could play a female version of Tony Stark? But... I'm not particularly interested in that I want to talk about why don't we have a Valkyrie standalone movie where did she go when she left Asgard before she ended up hanging out with Jeff Goldblum (laughs) Um, let's talk about why we've never gotten a Storm standalone movie there are a million other people that, that we could you know give attention to that are different and interesting and not again retelling the same story just in a slightly different way sorry that's my little rant
2: <laughs> yeah I, I i agree with that although marvel does have i know that the comic books do have like some of the gender swap characters like thor has been female before. but
1: it, yes yes but it's not um it it's not that they just swapped it out and now suddenly that guy is a woman it's yeah, like yeah. captain america is not steve rogers now it's someone else you know that, that yeah kind of thing.
2: and like and captain marvel has been both male and female in various comic books i believe yeah um no, it's it, yeah I, I i agree with you karen i think that on the one hand gen, gender swapping can be interesting because it's it sort of forces you to look at characters in a different way on on the other hand yeah you you sort of i think that jessica chastain recently said something about this that you want women to have their own action franchises You want women to, you want, and for them to be female characters that are written as female characters, not male characters that then they
1: decided, okay, now, now we're going to make them women. Right. So, I mean, to bring it back around, you've got Iron Man, you've got Tony Stark, who over the, the last 10 years has softened. He, you know, as his relationship with not just Pepper, but with the other Avengers and things has, has grown, he's not the you know ridiculous playboy that he was in the first movie but it's like I don't necessarily need to see a woman take on those character traits cause I don't think very many women believably would be like he was you know
2: I, have, I mean he, Tony Stark in his original iteration would have to be some like a sort of Paris Hilton type
1: um, yeah and I you... can't see her saving the world
2: well, and, and that's but that's the issue because you'd have to have a Paris Hilton type who's also this this brilliant um, this brilliant scientist, you know, and and I mean maybe that's that's one of the failings I think of the way that we write female characters like that is is that we can't we can't envision this spoiled rich girl turning around and having a change of heart and saving the world, but we can see the spoiled rich guy doing the same thing. Yeah, that's true. So that, that actually, I think that that character in particular would be an interesting one to explore from a female perspective, given our, the stereotypes that we have about, um, about wealthy women and the way that wealthy women are supposed to behave and the way that they do behave in, in the public eye.
1: Yeah, I'm just... I, part of it, though, is that I just...
0: Uh, I just don't see women...
1: I, I don't know. I don't know. This is hard for me.
0: Well, that just leads us into talking reviews, so... Oh, are we so, we didn't cover that at all. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, I, I... I mean, do you guys want to throw out some names for Ryan? I mean, he did ask this question, and he's asked it before on award word circuit, so...
0: So, I mean, I'll throw out a couple possibilities for, for some people. Hmm. I mean, for, for Black Panther, I would love to see, like like well we saw our technique Danai Guerrero Denai Guerrero would be great I was gonna say Angela Bassett we saw her play the mom but like I would watch Angela Bassett play Black Panther that would be badass um,
2: or or Lupita Nyong'o oh right? wait
0: right exactly everybody good has already had a really great character in Black Panther so it's kind of irrelevant <laughs> Um,
2: so let's just shift the focus to like Lupita Nyong'o's character because she can have her own movie,
1: right? That's the thing. I would love to see her and find out what she's doing when she's going and infiltrating these, these you know, trafficking organizations and things. Like, yeah, she's like a that spy. Was fascinating. Yeah. And, yeah, and like
0: for Spider-Man, I I think of like some scrappy like like a Kiernan Shipka type of thing. Like that, I think that would be that would be cool. Like, I would make Spider-Man Nancy Drew, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anybody else have suggestions? I'm
1: trying to think.
0: No, I have difficulty. When I was thinking
1: about... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no go on. Oh, I, when I was thinking about Captain America, it's always funny to think of Captain America not being played by an American, but I, I just... The first thing that popped into my head was Emily Blunt and Edge of Tomorrow.
0: Ooh, yeah. (laughs) And
1: I thought, oh, huh, I could see her doing Captain America pretty well. That would be cool. So, who would be a male black widow? I think that that's an interesting question. Uh, no one, because dudes are not as cool as Natasha (laughs) Romanoff. Well, wait, we
0: would essentially, well, they would be barons, so therefore they'd be monsters, so there's that. (laughs) Oh, right,
1: yes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, gotta remember that. Yeah. It has has to fall in love with, with gender-swapped Hulk. Or not gender swap talk that could be interesting. That would be
0: really interesting. It could be "Call Me by Your Name," the green edition. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I don't know who you get to play Black Widow because I think for me Black Widow remains so ill-defined. Like, a yeah. spy? And I'm like, okay, yeah, there's play a good spy, but this this is one of the reasons.
2: Uh this is one of the reasons why I actually do want a Black Widow movie, because I want to know about her character. Exactly. And she's been at the peripheries for so long, and you get a little bit, you know, with her relationship with the Hulk, which I don't like anyways, but you get a little bit of it, but not not tons, and I really want to know her story.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that relationship with Hulk is, like, it just feels so shoehorned in because you feel like you're supposed to pair her up with someone and pair him up with someone but yeah. it's just like ugh, it's it's boring but um yeah well i mean supposedly they are moving forward with the black widow movie i don't know
0: they, they keep saying it's gonna happen i'll believe it when i actually see it apparently they went through isn't that the
1: one where they went through 65 directors but apparently they couldn't have all been women directors because there aren't 60 active women directors that's what some dude said on twitter oh my god people and i was just like um actually that might have been on an in an article i gotta find that now but yeah. yeah, well, fil- film bros need to shut the fuck up. So. <laughs> they really do. Well, let's, Just in really general. Let's
0: segue into talking about Avengers Infinity War, because I think we've, we've kind of talked it out on multiple podcasts and online. Uh, I think Lauren is the only one that I really want to hear her thoughts on, because...
1: Well, here's what I want to say, and then I think we should go in to let Lauren talk about it. <laughs> I enjoyed the movie, but I feel like how good or bad it is is completely determined by what happens next, and I feel like I'm tired of talking to people about it because there's nothing to debate yet, really. I mean, anything that happened can be undone or it won't be, or who knows, but I mean, it seems like a lot of stuff will change, but yeah, that's the thing, like... There's, there's not, there's only so much you can say because we don't know what's gonna happen. I, this is like talking about the seventh Harry Potter movie before the eighth one comes out, and judging the, you know, judging both of them based on one movie.
0: I, I will I will second that. Um, I'm not a Marvel fan, as we've all known, and I thought this was fine, but I was like, there's no payoff, and I get to wait mm-hmm. a year for that, but by, by that point, I probably just won't care. So... Yeah, it's it's a perfectly serviceable film. Fans of the the franchise will love it probably, but if you're a casual observer like I am, like you're just gonna be like, "This is it." Uh, but that's neither here nor there. We want to hear Lauren talk about this because she just saw this. Because <laughs> I just
2: saw it. I saw it on Tuesday. Uh, okay, are, are we doing
0: spoilers? Is that okay? I would say by this point, yeah, you've had people have had a week,
2: yeah. Okay, alright, so just just to, to start fast, off with, I, I, we the, there are going out, to be spoilers.
0: We will throw out, yes. Fast forward about ten minutes, um, when we get to talking about the rest of the movies and things we've seen, so. I'll try yeah. to
1: remember to put a tag
0: no on problem. it. Yeah.
2: So there, so I am going to talk about spoilers because one of my biggest issues with this film is is some of the spoilers. My, here's the thing, I, I like, uh, Kristen, I, I am not a huge Marvel fan, but I have usually enjoyed every marvel movie that i have seen like whenever i go to the theater even if there there are times that they're over long even if i'm a little bit bored i've enjoyed it the past two marvel films that i've seen i have loved i loved black panther i loved thor ragnarok right so it was like oh this is moving in the correct direction for me i really like these films i hated infinity war like i hated it and i hated it for a number of different reasons and i i do absolutely get that this is a part one and that you have to look at it as a part one and it's not going to have satisfactory a satisfactory resolution or even as necessarily a satisfactory arc uh because the full arc is supposedly going to come with the part two so you're going to have to look both of them together that being said i felt that this film fridged a lot of characters there are a lot of character deaths and my problem was that i didn't feel any real emotional impact from those deaths because of the way that the film that the film set them up so you set up these characters some of whom we followed over the course of two or three or four films you know i've tony stark we followed for god how how many films has he actually been in as a major character and and then you get, you know, characters like Loki, who have been in multiple films, and you get to the point where, you know, something really supposedly emotional or, or uh, groundbreaking is happening to them, and I didn't feel that there was any emotional payoff for it. So Loki's death is just kind of like, oh, that happens within the, fast, the first 10 minutes of the film. And I was like, okay, so you've made me kind of come to care and understand that about this character over the course of multiple films. And now we're just like, oh, and by the way, he's dead. And I felt like every, th- every time we got to a character who was going to be killed off or have something horrific happen to them, that was the attitude being taken. It's just like, oh, hey, we're just going to eliminate them. They're gone. Bye. Uh, the most emotional one is Gamora. And even her, I'm like, I don't, I don't believe this. And part of why I don't believe this is because of my other issue, Thanos. Who is the character that we spend the most time with? Who's developed the most across the course of the film? And I am being asked to understand and sympathize with in a way that I'm not being asked to understand and sympathize with the other characters, even though I've spent more time with them. But I have to understand and sympathize with Thanos, and it's like, oh, he loves this this girl so much. just like, does he? I don't believe that he loves her i don't believe that he loves her enough that he's got to sacrifice her in order to get the soul stone and and all of this other shit. i'm like i don't i don't buy any of this this is all this seems very all paint by the numbers this is what has to happen to get us to the next part and i'm not feeling anything for it there was no emotional tension or build-up or resonance and then when, when deaths happened or when things happened, I was like, okay, I don't care. I just don't care. And that left me feeling very empty by the end of the film. Uh, the ending is terrible <laughs> because it, it, does, it does kind of hammer home the fact that, oh, by the way, all of this stuff that we've just shown you that is supposed to be like the beginning of the end of the Avengers, right, or whatever this is going to turn out to be, this can be undone completely so i'm sitting there going like well why the fuck did i just watch all of that if you can undo this if the next film is just like oh we're just gonna ratchet back time now it's like so who cares who cares about any of this and that was the feeling that i got at the end of the film to the point where i was like this is incredibly nihilistic because it doesn't matter none of this matters none of the even uh if this is going to be the conclusion all of the things that i've seen in the previous films they don't matter Because you could just snuff these characters out with the snap of their of your fingers and bring them back So yeah, I was not into it. I thought it was a very sort of slipshod lazy filmmaking Um, for a a two-and-a-half-hour film I Didn't get to see half of the people that I actually wanted to Uh, And I spent way too much fucking time with the Guardians of the Galaxy So that's my feeling
1: i have a theory that in the next one well look, it's not even just my theory but in talking with a couple other people we think that um what thanos had to do to get the soul stone that he's ultimately going to be the one that turns back time and undoes everything so i don't know it'll be interesting to see
2: in in which case the big villain and hero is thanos so why haven't we made like 15 movies about thanos He's actually
1: appeared in more of the movies than I realized. But he's hardly a character. Right. Oh, I know. But it's like, I mean, this is and again, this is where DC has been screwing it up. It's like, at least we've known about Thanos for a long time and we've built up to this. So now we finally meet him and it's like, oh wait, he's not quite what I thought he was going to be. But with DC villains, it's like you never hear of him and all of a sudden the Justice League is fighting some dude that you don't know about and don't know why you should care. Yeah.
2: I and I I do admit I said this on Twitter and I've said it a couple of times, um, the and I know that the Infinity Stones and the whole story behind them I know that that's a part of the comic books and that that's what they're doing. But when I got to when they got to the point of explaining like what they getting the exposition of what these stones actually are, both me and the friend that I was with began giggling because it was so stupid. It's such a stupid mythology and it doesn't, it has no flesh to it at all. And I was, I mean, I was like, I was sitting there laughing at this movie and I'm just like, and the infinity stuff. I was like, no, this is funny. This is silly. Like, please move on. I, I was very, very disappointed in this movie, obviously.
0: <laughs> I, I support this disappointment. So my friend was was like crying and I was just sitting there thinking, it's just, it's the leftovers. <laughs> See, I love all
1: the, not all, I love um, 17 of the the Marvels, the MCU movies, Um, and I really enjoyed this one, but like I said, how much I enjoyed it is going to completely depend on whether I feel they stick the landing in part two, and if they screw that up, then this movie is completely terrible as well, so it's, yeah. I mean, I completely, I'm hearing your points, Lauren, and I completely respect and value your opinion. I feel differently, but at the same time, like, neither of us is wrong yet. <laughs> and neither of us will be wrong no matter what happens. So. Well, no, I mean, this is, this is all subjective,
2: and it's about the way that you yeah. experience these films. Uh, yeah, I mean, I want to know what they, like, what they do in mm-hmm. the next one that I'm probably going to see it just because I want to know how it all comes out. Um, I will say, Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange can get it. Like, damn.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I actually liked him as Doctor Strange more in this than I did in his movie. <laughs> it was weird. But the, that's the other thing, though. It's like, okay, so let's say Thanos is the one that turns back time to try to, you know, try to undo what he had to do. Like, okay, that's great, but theoretically then nobody would remember what happened so they just keep rehashing this fight over over. like i don't know i have so many questions but
2: yeah as soon as you begin screwing around with time it it never works completely exactly uh but there is i mean there's that one scene where dr strange i think says there's only there's only one way that this can happen
1: out of 14 million possible yeah and
2: and he says then he later says to tony stark something like it had it had to happen like this and so there's, there's an indication that this is this is the only way that they're going to win, basically. Right. Exactly. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I was unimpressed by this.
0: <laughs> so move. Massively unimpressed. Moving on to a movie <laughs> that I think Karen was impressed by. She saw Tully. Did. Um,
1: one thing that I should have done in my review, and I think that more people should be doing this. Because I did write a review on the website. Um, I think that moms, anyone who has struggled with issues of postpartum depression or... um, I've had friends with severe postpartum anxiety and things. I think that they just need to be aware of what they're walking into with this movie, because it's, it definitely does deal with that. And it can be triggering for, for some people I've heard, I've heard those kinds of issues have come up for some moms, but, um, Tully is good. You guys, it's so good. I wasn't sure what to expect from it. Um, I mean, I've, I'm a fan of Jason Reitman's films. I never saw Labor Day, so I can't <sighs> uh, I can't blame him for that movie. I avoided it. But should stay um, avoided. <laughs> I plan to. <laughs> but you know, like I really liked Juno. I really liked Young Adult. This movie I actually said this in my review too, but um this movie reminded me or it made me think of jennifer garner's character in juno and how like all she wants more than anything is to be a mom and then like and there's kind of a point in Tully where it's like you you understand that that was her goal that's what she wanted with her life too um sorry not Tully is the name of the night nanny that comes to help out but um Charlize Theron's character, Marlo. And I just kept thinking, like, this is Jennifer Garner in, like, ten years when she actually has been living her dream, she's got her children, and she's like, oh my gosh, this is really unbelievably hard. And that's what's so beautiful about the movie overall. I mean, the basic story is you've got Charlize Theron as Marlo, who is, it opens with her just about to have her third child she has two kids her daughter is like around eight or so and she's just at that age where she's starting to become really aware of being self-conscious of things and feeling like she doesn't necessarily fit in and feeling like she is not getting all the attention that she needs to have and things like that like she's just starting to you know she's an oldest child and it's showing and then there's this middle son um, who has a lot of issues and they, they sort of suggest that he's probably on the autism spectrum, but they never really explore that. He never gets tested or anything like that. Everyone at the school just calls him difficult and, um, challenging and, you know, um, but he's a wonderful child and all these things. Anyway. Um, but the movie itself, like once, uh, once Tully, who is basically gifted to her by her brother, he says, I'm going to get you, I, I know you've been having a hard time, I'm going to get you a night nanny so that you get some actually get some sleep, and once Tully shows up, and she and Marlo just start to, to talk, and and um, Marlo gets the opportunity to just kind of explore what it was that she really wanted in her life in the first place, and and find reasons to be grateful for how things have turned out and she's kind of starting to find herself again and they just have these really lovely conversations and um the screening i went to it was actually a mom's night out event it was weird because there were a couple of dads that showed up too but whatever that's fine um but it was this mom's night out event and Charlize theron came and introduced the movie and what she said and, you know, Charlize Theron is a mom as well. And what she said when she was introducing it was that the reason she wanted to make this film was because she knew what it was like to just feel like you needed to know you weren't alone. And, you know, I mean, I'm not a mom. I don't have kids. Might Well, I have a, you know, fur kid, whatever. Yeah, but but um, I have a lot of friends who are moms and have had similar conversations with me and have said similar things and I just thought wow this this really this really resonates I think with a lot of people and the conversations I got to have afterwards with some of my friends who were there and Mm -hmm. it just it's a movie that I think women really need right now which is why it pisses me off that so many men were writing reviews about it but (laughs) we don't have to go into that but I just yeah it's a it's a really lovely film. There are parts of it that are very funny, parts of it that just make you angry because you see how women treat each other, and it's just, we need to stop doing this. We need to stop being so judgmental of each other's choices, and we need to just start supporting and listening and loving one another. And that's, I think, what this movie is ultimately just trying to 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 do. You know, you've got Ron Livingston as her husband who sits up in his room and he just plays video games and he barely pays any attention to her and he does not realize what is going on in their house and um you know and it just afterwards i was talking to someone i was just like yeah basically this movie ron livingston is just playing a shitty husband i was joking and my friends jumped on that they're like no he's just really unaware i'm like i know but you know that's the thing is like so often we get wrapped up in our own heads in our own business that we forget to look outside ourselves and reach out and just check in on the people that we say we care about you know and and that's something that I took away from this too is not to be like Ron Livingston (laughs) to just remember to check in with my friends and and just say hey how are you doing? I know you were having a rough time. Are you doing okay? Is there anything I can help help you with? And so, that's that's another just positive aspect of this film, I think. So
0: um, I'm going to see sorry, it just uh, totally today tomorrow. Went off, but... So I'm hoping yeah, that the it. Reitman curse has been lifted because. What
1: <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy it. I really do. I I think that it's just it's not anything like super flashy. Um, and there are parts where it's just like, "Oh my gosh, this is like I just want to jump in the screen and punch this dude right now." But, um, yeah,
0: I hope you guys like it. I think you will. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Jason Reitman's made a movie I've liked since since Young Adult, and I haven't rewatched Young Adult since it came out. So, my fingers my fingers are crossed that I will not uh, want to punch him in the face like i did after labor day because that oh that fucking movie that fucking movie this
1: may not be enough to erase the anger you have toward him for that movie but i think it'll at least be enough to make you say he's not so
0: much anger for that movie um so yeah um lauren kim and i were uh looking at film festivals for the last uh week or so um, Lauren, you finished up Tribeca. How was that? Tribeca was great.
2: Uh, you know, I've I've been to Tribeca now for this is my third year going, and there's always. It's not a very flashy festival. Like there are very rarely any big premieres. I think one of the biggest the biggest ones this year was um, was Disobedience, which I reviewed on the site, um, and but there, there's always something interesting There are all, there's always some interesting documentaries some sort of off-kilter narrative films or foreign films I, I've seen quite a few just very interesting films that are probably not going to see the light of day for at least a year uh, but there are definitely ones to watch out for like Mariana Palka's Egg which I saw on my last day at Tribeca which is quite a, a piece of filmmaking you know I still don't know how I feel about it but it is It is a serious film um a very good documentary called house two which is about uh, a a murder that took place in iraq back in 2005 um and then the the gilda radner documentary love gilda uh maplethorpe which drove me crazy because there's definitely not enough male nudity in that um (laughs) for for a movie about robert maplethorpe uh but yeah tribeca always has some interesting stuff you mean there's
1: not enough male nudity in the
2: movie about male nudity That's I, yeah so <laughs> there really isn't i was like how are we not getting full frontal like come on guys come on um robert maplethorpe would be upset right now uh yeah and and i do have to just give props to tribeca that they really do showcase um people of color non like diverse filmmakers um female filmmakers, people that very often don't get their movies shown at some of the other bigger festivals and that don't get uh, the money and the attention, I think, that some of them deserve. So definitely, like, check out check out reviews for, of Tribeca Films and, like, keep your eyes out for them because there's always some great stuff.
0: And uh, awesome. Kim's not here, but I'll, I'll briefly talk about um, co- going to the TCM Classic Film Festival this year always fun um i got to do it sick this year which was which was super fun um no it wasn't um right about uh, kim and karen and i got together on wednesday uh, did we get together wednesday or it was wednesday and i was feeling Mm -hmm. great whatever day i was i was feeling great and thursday morning i woke up and my throat hurt and i was like oh well i've been out at like we went to a mixer the night before there was loud music I was just yelling and right about nine thirty at night as I'm watching the sea wolf I'm sitting there thinking okay my throat really hurts my head hurts I think I'm feverish my joints ache I was like holy shit I'm sick um so I got to spend the rest of the festival and, and my my loving mother was like well you need to rest I'm like ah, I can't really do that so I got to uh spend my festival running around like a nut while simultaneously chugging Ferraflu and um, hot tea and I'm almost over it now but it was um, not the best way that I wanted to spend my festival um, being near my, my beloved Ben Mankewitz, Um I did not want to be ill but it, it all worked out. I saw um, some really great, great movies. I got to see Morris uh, James Ivory was there and I got to be front row got to hear him talk about the lack of male nudity and then we watched Morris which does have male nudity in it and the ladies that were sitting next to me that were older were like freaking out because they were like penis oh my god and I, <laughs> I was sitting there next to my friend being like damn this movie is great okay um, it, I, I did think Morris was good but I think seeing Call Me By Your Name kind of was it was a the wrong move because i like that movie better Morris is call me by your name somber like it's kind of somber and melancholy it's a Merchant Ivory film um but it's worth it's worth a watch um I also got to I saw a lot of movies that I'd seen before that I I couldn't have seen in any other format so I got to see like Creature from the Black Lagoon in in the most beautiful 4k 3d print that I'd ever seen um we were like all like oh my god it's in our face it actually worked this time um, I got to see Lever to Heaven on Nitrate, which was beautiful. Um, I to—I I went and saw Letter to Three Wives, even though it had fucking Kirk Douglas in it, um, it was actually really good. It had been a long time since I'd seen that. Um, and I also got to see The Sea wolf, um restored with the missing, like, 14 minutes of footage that they cut out. And I'd seen it before because I wrote an article about Ida Lupino. Um, but I hadn't seen it with the re- with the restoration. I hadn't seen it on a big screen. I saw it on a big screen, and everything changed. Not just because I really enjoy that movie, but because now I believe that I am obsessed with John Garfield. Like, like, full Burnthal level John Garfield. Um, which is funny, because I keep saying that if they make the John Garfield biopic, it would be an Academy Award for John Burnthal because they look very similar. Um so that could explain a lot but it was it was a great great time it's always great to see classic films and old movie houses with people that like understand your your problems um i did get my yearly photo with ben mankowitz i had a big speech prepared i was gonna like be really smooth but i was sick and also i was flustered by the hair so i ended up being like thank you bye and then just (laughs) (laughs) left. um I kind of botched that, but there's always next year, so there's that. um, but I got to be near james frickin ivory that was that was amazing. so I'm sure Kim will Kim can uh, share her experiences when she comes back, but it was it was so much fun and i have I have a new obsession now that's like actually really bad because the people I love have been dead for like sixty five years so you see that time machine join the club exactly i was. i told i told kim as soon as we left like i understand now why lauren has dead people on her list it's such a (laughs) problem (laughs) (laughs) so yeah there was that um anything else we want to throw out before we close it up nope i think uh we're good what does what does everybody have on tap for this week
1: uh, I I am seeing on Chesil Beach and talking oof. to Ian McEwen on Monday.
0: Damn. Yeah. Um. I I have uh screeners for a bunch of stuff, including the Seagull. So sure, Sharon still. And on Thursday, I get to go see Deadpool too. So yeah, yeah. I'm not really looking forward to uh, that certain garbage person, but I'm hoping that Josh Brolin can um help mitigate that so i've heard people
1: really think that celine dion's original song has a shot at winning i i've Oscar, heard that sounds so hilarious
0: i've heard that oh which God. would be hilarious if it actually happened um it'd be so Lauren, anything on tap for you this week
2: uh i'm actually going to see the writer later today and uh, and i want to try to i want to try to get out and see so I, I want to try to get out to see both Tully and You Were Never Really Here which I still haven't gotten to see.
1: Oh yeah. Go
2: check yeah. that out.
0: So, and on the website this week um, we're going to be doing uh, Returning the Citizen Dame 5 talking about our top 5 movies that we just don't get. So that'll be up there as well as uh, Kim's Feminist Fridays and whatever else we decide to to throw up on there. Uh, but you can listen to Citizen Dame on iTunes if you are consider helping us out by leaving a rating or and or review we're also on spotify so you can listen to us there um this the podcast is also on twitter at citizen dame pod as well as facebook so definitely check those out um and our website is always citizendamepod.com. pod.com uh if you want to help support the podcast you can head over to patreon.com citizen dame uh, we have a bunch of perks right now uh, Karen is going to be live tweeting her first time ever viewing of Eyes Wide Shut, um, which it, it will have already happened by the time this goes up, but you can go back and search for it. Um, we're also planning uh, a bunch of bonus episodes. And do we want to announce the winner of our riff pretty much or wait till next week? we have going to wait till okay, next so week. Okay, so just cut that part out. Um, and okay. we're, we're planning a bunch <laughs> of fun stuff, including audio commentaries, um all sorts of things so if you want to get exclusive access to all of that before the general public um if they get it at all you can head over to patreon.com slash citizen dame and we all have our own individual twitters you can find me at journeys underscore film and kim is at k pierce 624 karen where are you online at karen m peterson and lauren at lh business so, from Christine, Karen, Lauren, and Kim, we are the Citizen Dames, and we will see you next week. Bye.